Welcome to the Not So Average Podcast. My name is Courtney and I built this podcast to deconstruct traditional advice and the idea of living an average life to inspire you to step into your power and be the creator of your own life. If you're also viewing living an average life as very boring and you're looking to upgrade your mind, body, and soul, then you're in the right place and I'm so glad to have you here. Subscribe to hear new episodes every Wednesday on all streaming platforms and let's jump into the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for tuning into another episode. I am bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to record because I've had two coffees. I have the essential oils going. I slept 10 hours and I just got back from LA and I couldn't be happier about it. I'm tanned. I'm feeling good. My wallet hurts from the Air One trips that I went on, but my gosh, was it a good trip. I was down there for five days for a mixture of some business and some pleasure, and I just had the best trip. Last time I went to LA was a very similar feeling, but it was a lot more last minute. This time I had a little bit more knowledge of what to expect when it came to LA, but I still didn't rent a car, which was a mistake. If you guys ever head out to LA. Depending on what you're going to do, it's pretty worth it to rent a car. I didn't do it either times and I regret it this time, especially because I stayed in Studio City, which is up in the valley. And there's no way to get anywhere without that Uber where downtown LA, you might have a better chance of like taking a bus, but even then the public transportation doesn't exist out there. Where living in Toronto, it's so walkable. There's so much public transportation. Without a car, it's like the easiest thing. I feel like people look at you sideways if you have a car here, especially if you live downtown. Where in LA, it is a rite of passage. You kind of have to have a car to do anything and you have to sit in two hours of traffic. But I Ubered around everywhere. And for the five days I was there, it was okay. But Definitely, if I was there any longer, it would have been well worth it to rent a car, but I did get to at least escape the stress of parking and the stress of having to be a driver and just be able to like hang out in the backseat and go on my phone while someone else is driving me. Love to be a passenger princess. So at the time, it made sense, but next time, definitely renting a car. But I really had the best trip. I did a medley of, you know, the hiking and the wellness things, as well as the beautiful dinners and heading out on the town I actually the craziest thing happened I was at this place called Bottega Louie it's a restaurant as well as a dessert like bakery they have this insane selection of macaroons like the most beautiful macaroons I've ever eaten and most delicious I don't even know how to explain these things I'm going to be thinking about them forever it's truly Oh my god, I can't I truly can't describe it. I'm like a loss for words, but they were insane. So when we are walking by, it's actually right beside Tom Tom in West Hollywood. And if you know me, I'm a massive Vanderpump Rules fan. So we went to New Shorts and Sandies and we went to walk by Sir to go see something about her and where the location is. We went to Tom Tom, whatever we did, all the things, but beside it was Bottega Louie. I was like, oh my god we need to go get some macaroons before dinner. We were actually going to a different place for dinner. So we stopped by Bottega Louie and we were sitting on the patio, me and my friend, and we got some macaroons. We're just having some dessert before dinner. And I see this familiar man walking out on a phone call and he's in a t-shirt with these like tatted sleeves and attractive man. And I'm kind of like, oh my God, that's Andrew Huberman. And if you know, like, I'm a massive fan. I actually have tickets to go see his lecture in Toronto in a couple of weeks. Like, I'm obsessed with Andrew Huberman. And so 
I see him and I'm immediately positive it's him and I turn to my friend I'm like that's Andrew Huberman oh my gosh and they don't know who they are so I pull up a photo he's literally like I'm on the patio right by the where the sidewalk is and he's on the sidewalk just barely like at an arm's length distance away from me on a phone call and he looked very intense I gotta say hopefully everything's okay on his end but he was not far from me so I'm trying to be very chill but I'm like pulling up the quickest photo to show my friend and she's like oh that's definitely him and I'm like holy crap because I've never seen his tattoos and I actually recently saw an interview where he describes why he doesn't share his tattoos online and it sounds like kind of the reasoning behind it is because he's a Stanford professor and a neuroscientist and so he wants the way that his podcast and online persona to be seen as that same professor persona and how he's really there to just teach valuable information rather than him and his image and the aesthetics around it so I definitely understand that but it was kind of crazy for me because I'm kind of like wait is that him because I almost didn't recognize him in the sense that he's not wearing that black button-up that we see him in all over social media the and it's like long sleeves so we've never seen his tattoos even though we all know he has like full sleeve tattoos so he was in a t-shirt and I was freaking out I definitely know it was him like there's no way that that wasn't him and I gotta say guys it's not gonna be very professional of me to say it out loud on a podcast but um he's one attractive man (laughs) I've truly I was just in awe I was obsessed but he was really intensely on the phone I'm sure I gave myself away I swear I saw him and looked him in the eye and my jaw dropped so pretty sure he knows I'm a fan and I didn't get a chance to talk to him he was on the phone he was like walking kind of back and forth it appeared to be a very intense conversation so it definitely didn't feel like the time to say hello and then I did have to scope it out because I was kind of like all right what if it's like something where I can make this casually a casual bump in so I went to the bathroom into the facility just to take a peek to see whereabouts is he because I saw him like leave the restaurant on a phone call so I knew he was eating inside there which sounds kind of creepy but I watched it with my own eyes so I just did a quick walk through to the bathroom I saw him eating dinner with a friend and I don't know who the friend was I don't know. It was another man. I couldn't even tell you. Maybe it was a colleague. I don't know. I'm just assuming a friend. They were literally like mid-steak dinner. Like he's like cutting steak, you know, and eating. So it definitely was not any kind of environment to say hello. But just to be in his presence was enough for me. I was freaking out. And that just goes to show for me that I don't know how to keep it chill in LA and New York when I see people I really look up to because I honestly... I'm so glad I didn't have a chance to talk to him because I so was unprepared and I don't know what would have flown out of my mouth. But lovely, lovely seeing him. But that is not why we're here today. Um, I mean, I could talk about how great Andrew Huberman is and how much I loved LA, but I'm here to bring you some value. And it was actually inspired by a coaching call that I was on recently. This woman was sharing with me how overwhelmed she feels by all of the changes she has to make in her life. And it basically all came to a halt when her body was starting to break down due to chronic stress and her nervous system is in fawn. So rather than fight or flight, her body's going into fawn mode where it's just like full shutdown and freeze. So when it comes to the concept that we're talking about today 
I thought it'd be really valuable to share because you'll always hear me say it on this podcast if you want different you got to move different right but how do we actually do that in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming that's a way that we can set ourselves up to be successful in the pursuits that we're entering so one thing that I love to break it down for clients is everything you say yes to you say no to something else and the reverse so what does this mean so If you're thinking about time, for example, on your calendar, if you're saying yes to going out for dinner, maybe you're saying no to working on a project or having a relaxing night in, whatever it is. You get that friend who finally gets that boyfriend and you're so happy for her, but suddenly you're seeing less of her. It's probably because she's saying yes to hanging out with her boyfriend who she's obsessed with now and maybe no to hanging out with her friends more. Maybe you're saying yes to going out in the summer. There's lots to do, lots to see, lots of people to hang out with. Then maybe you're saying no to extra sleep whatever this may be. Now, this can be on the flip side as well, right? You're saying no to going out. You're saying yes to more sleep. You're saying no to shopping. You're saying yes to building savings. This can be literally any example. So I feel like I don't have to reiterate anymore because I could use these examples all day, every day. But what I really want to drive home with this concept is when you're looking to make changes in your life, you have to start to audit what you're saying yes and what you're saying no to and figuring out what sacrifices you're willing to make. Many people get overwhelmed when they're trying to make a ton of changes in their life and I've been there myself. I totally was in a spot where I hated getting out of bed every morning. I was depressed. I was anxious. I would cry the minute I would wake up because I didn't want to do life that day. I was not taking care of my body. I was in the height of my drinking issues and smoking cannabis all day, every day, looking all the ways to numb out. And of course, when you smoke cannabis, you get the munchies. So then I was binge eating and feeling so bloated and gross. And then I'm, you know, in the guilt and shame spiral. And it just was a really rough game to be playing when I knew that I wanted to change, but I didn't know how to snap out of it. It all felt too overwhelming. And I think a lot of people that I speak to, maybe it doesn't have to be that dark. Of course, that was just my journey at one point. But it can feel really intimidating to start to snap out of those habits. So it's like, okay, how do we break habits? And well, I need more discipline. And people talk about discipline, discipline. I think that, yeah, discipline's really necessary to be successful. Like you have to take the action regardless of whether you feel motivated or not to be able to receive results, obviously. But if we can reframe discipline as more of the byproduct of having clarity, then I think this could be helpful in making those changes in your life to become the person that you're wanting to be and do the things that you're wanting to do. So for example, I was on a coaching call the other day and we were talking about discipline and she was like, I just need more discipline, but just, it's just so hard for me. It doesn't come naturally to me. And I had to share with her, like, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. We as humans can struggle with being disciplined, especially in today's fast paced culture where there's so many distractions, it can be a lot more difficult to be quote unquote disciplined. And because now more than ever, we're able to see what everyone else is doing, we're so much more likely to compare and get down on ourselves because now we're comparing ourselves to what everyone else is doing. And because they seem so much farther than us, or, you know, they just look like they have it all together and you don't feel like you're ever going to have that, then you're more likely to give up on yourself before you even start trying. But one, I want to say social media is a highlight reel. Two, doesn't matter what they're doing 
does not matter blinders on you got to focus on yourself but that's a different topic so we can get down this path though very quickly snapping into guilt and shame and blame because of many different factors okay so if we get snapped out of having discipline because it feels too hard we're seeing what everyone else is doing we're like oh my god that's not me and we're attached to all these old narratives how do we shift into a new way of being one thing that's been helpful for me and so many of my clients is reframing discipline as clarity and essentially shifting into living a life that feels clear and aligned rather than quote unquote having discipline now you're essentially still practicing discipline but it's just in a different way that our brains can consume a little bit easier so when we have clarity on who we're wanting to become we're able to break that down into a new shifting into a new identity so for example if you're looking to improve your finances you're wanting to become a financially wealthy person then you have to think like someone who is financially wealthy. So what does that look like? Okay, so what does a financially wealthy person do every time they get paid? Are they building savings? Are they focusing on investing? Do they know what to invest in? If they don't, how would they find that out? Are they spending their money in ways that feel very spontaneous or are they a little bit more intentional like what does this look like and breaking it down into bite-sized pieces this can also be for a healthy person right what would a healthy person do to be a healthy person well they're probably moving their body in some sort of way whether that's going to the gym and lifting weights or going to a pilates class or maybe they're just going for a walk and listening to a podcast Obviously, they're different forms of movement, but they're probably doing some form of movement, right? They're probably drinking lots of water. They're eating more at home, healthier meals, cooking, meal prepping, and they're probably getting an adequate amount of sleep. To me, those are main pillars of what a healthy person would be needing to do to be healthy and taking care of their physical bodies. So if we acknowledge that everything we say yes to, we're saying no to something else and that we could shift into figuring out what the person who already has what we're wanting, what they do, we're able to take not only radical responsibility for the choices that we're making in our day-to-day lives, but we're able to break it down into bite-sized pieces so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming and that we're able to create these little small shifts in our lives rather than just magically waking up and becoming a complete different person and just magically breaking out of all the habits and routines that we're currently in. Now, if you're someone who feels very comfortable in your life, maybe you're already unconsciously doing this, right? Because you're not necessarily working towards something and you're not in a place where each day you're finding that there's that gap of, wow, I wish I was XYZ. I wish I did this. I wish I had this. I wish I was more of this. If you're comfortable and happy in your life, it might not be the episode for you. That's okay. I'm glad that you're happy. But I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, they're looking to improve different areas of their life and they're becoming the best version of themselves. And so that means that they don't feel like they're necessarily at that level yet because there's still some missing gaps there. And so let's try to bridge the gap and become that person who has what you are desiring. So in order to do that, you're going to figure out what you're saying yes to and should you say no to more things than you're saying yes to. To. And this all matters what you're really wanting, right? If you're really, really wanting to make massive change in your life, but you know you keep getting stuck, then there's obviously something that needs to change. And I keep saying, if you want to move different, you've got to do different. But 
this is literally how to do different. You have to start to create that new identity for yourself by making different choices and showing up differently because our narratives that we subscribe to are all based on beliefs and beliefs are just thoughts that we think over and over again until they form a belief, right? So when we think of the ways that we keep ourselves small, it's because there's some former version of ourself that's telling us that we can't do it. No, you're not able to do that. It's not in your blood. It's not in your nature. It's just not for you. But do we really believe that to be true? And even if you consciously are like, no, I'm just, you know, really hard on myself. And, you know, I've never been able to do it for That's okay. Like have grace for yourself, but also know that your brain and your mind is the thing that's going to totally dictate your reality. So by shifting into having the things that you're wanting before you even have them, not only are you becoming a really great magnet for manifesting, but you're changing your brain to start to take action rather than looking for all the reasons why you can't do something. You're like kind of choosing a different character. So, you know, instead of choosing Mario in Mario Kart, you're choosing Princess Peach this time or Bowser or Luigi. Whatever the hell you want to be, you get to choose. And if you're feeling highly uncomfortable right now, if you're in a place where you're making these shifts and you're freaking out because you almost feel like you don't know who you are before, that is such a cool place to be in. And I've been in this place many, many times, including right now. I'm in this place again right now because I'm choosing differently because I want to move different, okay? I'm doing the different things because I know that I'm made for more than what I've experienced so far. But the reason it's uncomfortable is because you haven't been there yet. Your past self hasn't been where you want to go yet. And so it doesn't feel familiar. And so therefore, it's very uncomfortable. An example I can use that I'm sure you can relate to that will help you paint this picture of what that looks like in the unfamiliar is when you are driving to something new. So for example, let's say you are going for a job interview across town and you have to drive there and it's a building you've never been in. You vaguely know where it is. You've mapped it out on Google Maps, but you've never been. You're probably going to give yourself extra time the first time, I would hope, to make sure that you show up on time in case anything comes up or you're not sure where you're going, but you, you know, take the drive, you're listening to the Google Maps, you're like, you know, looking around, it all feels very brand new, and then when you get there, you're finding parking, you're finding the entrance, maybe it's super simple, maybe it's not, whatever it may be, right? You're just trying to navigate where this place is and how to get there. Do you have to take the elevator? Do you take the stairs? It feels a little bit like, ooh, I don't know where I'm going and so I better give myself extra time because I want to show up early and be on be on time. I felt this way when I was in LA, just not knowing where, where to go and what to expect. You can feel a little bit of nervousness entering a situation when you're just not sure what to expect, right? Your brain loves the familiar, your ego loves the familiar, and so what's unknown feels wildly uncomfortable because it's forcing you to grow, even if it's just like growing your knowledge on a building and where the entrance is, okay? This is like such a random example. But if you've ever fallen into those patterns where you've worked at a job for years and suddenly not only are you getting more comfortable with the route to take when you're heading there every single day, but then years down the line, you are on autopilot, right? You're driving to work and before you know it, you blink and you're already at work and you're parked. But if 
you had to tell somebody, you know, how many cars you saw on the road or what the gas price is when you pass the gas station with the big numbers. You couldn't even tell them because you were so not paying attention. You weren't living in the present moment. Your mind was wandering off because you're just an autopilot. You know exactly how to get to work. And so therefore, you don't have to think that hard about it. Um, it's interesting when the studies show that more accidents happen closer to your home and that's often because people fall into autopilot because they know the route to take and so they're more susceptible to not paying attention to like what's going on around them which is just wild but if we think of that same concept we're gonna feel a little bit more alert when we're doing something differently or if you're taking a different route to work suddenly you're looking around you're like oh i'm going the same way you know you're paying way more attention because it's not what you typically know anything we do for the first time it's gonna feel weird right you have to be a beginner in all different areas to be able to grow and i think something I learned recently is that the older we get, the less likely we are to be open to be being a beginner. And I think it's just this social narrative that we are pushing from a mass scale that we should all just have it together by a certain age and that you should know all of these things when like maybe you don't. So yes, if you're doing something differently, it's going to feel intimidating. It's going to feel weird. It's going to push you out of your comfort zone. Your ego loves the comfort zone because it's what's safe, because it's what's familiar. And so what's outside of that comfort zone is telling your ego, no, it's not safe, even if it's the best thing for you. And so you get to choose whether you're going to feel the fear and do it anyways, or stay stuck in exactly what you know. It literally the choice is yours so if you're looking to choose to feel the fear and do it anyways some of these practices is going to help you alleviate some of that overwhelm so acknowledging how to say yes and how to say no and what you're saying yes to is saying no to something else and that you're choosing those things and even when you don't feel like you're choosing you're still choosing So for example, just with that, I had a girlfriend tell me how she was so annoyed that she had to travel for work. And let me just remind you that this is not judgment. This is just an observation that I've made that I've also seen time and time again with women I speak to, clients, all the things. And even catching it in myself, I used to be a very negative person who complained a lot, okay? And it was because I didn't feel like I had any autonomy over my life. And so with this girlfriend, she's, you know, complaining to me about how she has to go on this work trip and how she's not paid for those extra hours for traveling and how it's going to make for such a long day and how it's so exhausting. And I said, you know, well, why don't you say no to the trip if it's something you really, really don't want to do? And she said, you know, oh, that's not a possibility. Work needs her to go. And I said, well, maybe if this is something that happens often, and mind you, there's a difference between a one-off experience that you're not looking forward to versus having to put up with things that you really don't love all the time, right? So like, it sounds like her role requires her to go on a lot of these trips and she's more on the client-facing end. So I just suggested to her that, you know, I know that you've been expressing some stressors around your job and new management. Maybe it's time to kind of explore different opportunities, maybe within the company or a different company to have something that's more aligned with the lifestyle that you're looking to live because it sounds like you get thrown off your routine every time you have to travel and your role requires a lot of that travel and so if you're really miserable doing it maybe it's not worth it 
And for her, this was not an option. She was not willing to find a new job or find a new role within the company, but she's also choosing to remain miserable having to travel all of the time. And you know, for me, I love traveling and I always thought it would be so cool to have a nine to five that would send me on different trips, even though it might be annoying because you're not choosing when you want to go. I always thought it would be such a cool variety of experiences and I know for me and there's a reason I'm self-employed is that I get bored easily so being able to kind of pick up and go and get a change of scenery and not have to be in the office every day or whatever it is sounds more on the exciting end to me and who knows right this could be a conversation that is just a one-off where she was just having a bad day and need to have that kind of bitch fest and I'm okay with that I'm a great friend I'm okay to be in a listening ear but when it's something that is repeatedly talked about and complained about that's when someone's making a choice in what they're choosing to live in and choosing to live in that negativity and so what you say yes to you say no to something else if you're saying yes to a role that requires you to travel a lot then you're saying no to having an exact game plan of what your weeks are going to look like because a last minute trip could come up for work that you are required to be on Either way, you're choosing, even when you feel like you don't have the options. Maybe you can't make that decision right now. You're thinking, Courtney, not everyone can just pack up and change careers. Of course not. I'm not recommending you just, you know, oh my God, my boss asked me to do something I don't want to do, so I have to find a new job. No, but if it's something that's like truly not aligned with you anymore, maybe it was great for a season, you know, there's a time in your life where you loved traveling for work, but maybe your priorities have changed. Maybe you really just want to be at home. Maybe you have a partner or children or a family, whatever it is that is keeping you in the place where you want to be more at home with a more consistent schedule and knowing what that looks like in the day-to-day rather than having last-minute work trips being thrown at you that you are required to go on, maybe it makes more sense to make those moves and start to put out feelers and eventually transition to a different job. I don't think that that's a crazy idea. And if you do think that that's crazy, then that's part of the issue. This is why clarity is so crucial in what kind of life you're looking to live and the person that you're wanting to become. Because if you're not clear on what that looks like, you're going to say yes to things that aren't aligned. So one more example to wrap this up and drive this point home is I'll pull from my personal experience. So there was a time that I just recently thought of that I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but I was going into university for first year and I was in between the summer of grade 12 and going into my first year and I was accepted early into Western so I got that early acceptance letter and I was so freaking excited like truly on the moon excited because I wasn't even sure if I'd get in I don't know I really didn't know what to expect I was one of the first people in my family to go to university so I really wasn't sure what that would look like and what was possible for me So months pass and I'm, you know, decided I'm going to Western and I'm moving to London, Ontario and I know what my major is and all of these things. And so this is just like, okay, now I'm going to Western after I graduate high school. Great. Woo. Done. But then when I was a couple weeks into July, so I feel like high school wraps around like end of June. So we had, you know, the prom season and then final exams. I feel like I'm really pulling from the vault of my memory to think about the timeline of this. But essentially what happened was I got a call from my guidance counselor in how 
I essentially slipped in one of my classes that brought my entire average down by 0.5% below what I needed to keep my acceptance into Western. I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but let's say I needed like an 81% to keep my acceptance for Western. I had like an 80.5% average or something like that. So it was like 0.5%. It was something so outrageous, but I had fucked up enough in one class that screwed my average. And I can't even remember the specific details. I just remember being so, so upset because I was really looking forward to getting out of high school. I had a really difficult time being in high school, especially the one that I was going to. I was getting bullied a lot. I had tried to pursue a makeup YouTube channel and people were so mean and I was just like getting screamed at in the hallways and shit. This girl tried to hit me with her car. It was like so many different experiences that I was really, really eager to get away from. I did not want to stay in high school or Cambridge any longer. So the idea that I might have to stay in school was terrifying to me. And so when I worked it out with my guidance counselor, I'm trying to figure out what options I have to keep my acceptance so I can still go to university in September. And she told me that all of the summer classes not only had already started, but they were full. So there was no way for me to even enroll into summer classes because of those two factors. And so now I'm My only option that was presented to me by my guidance counselor was that I had to do an extra semester in high school and then join Western the next fall. This was not an option to me. I was not waiting a full year to go to Western. And so I remember calling my mentor. I was in the middle of a grocery store with my mom and I got the voicemail or email or something and I started bawling. I was hyperventilating full panic attack and I remember chatting with my mentor about it and what I should do and she is someone who is extremely resourceful and doesn't take no for an answer and it's what's made her massively successful in business and other areas of her life. And she told me that I should look for alternative options to getting a credit to bring up my average. And I was like, I don't know what to do and whatever. So she was helping me research what's available. And so I actually did find an online class that I could take that would be a high school credit and it was virtual. But, you know, everyone was kind of telling me there's no way you're going to be able to finish it in time. Um, it costs money out of pocket. I think I paid six to seven hundred dollars out of pocket for this one class. And that was a lot of money at the time for me. Like I would have been 17 years old going into my 18th year because it was actually still before my birthday. This is like early July and I wouldn't have turned 18 until the end of July. And I remember I had only until I think it was like the first week of August to have this credit because it needed to be in by a certain time to keep my acceptance for university. And so what I did, I paid out of pocket. I remember my mentor let me use her credit card because I didn't have enough limit to put like $700 onto a credit card. I had such a small limit as a high school student. So she let me do that and I paid her right back. And I would get up every single morning 
from 6 to 8 a.m. I would work on my class and then I would go to work from 9 to 5. I had a summer job because I was putting myself through school so I had to save a lot of money so that wasn't an option either was to like just not work. I wasn't one of those people who just had all the summers off and could just dedicate it to this online course. I was actually working like full-time plus I think a part-time job as well. So I was busy and yeah I would wake up every morning at literally 6 a.m. would work on this course. I ended up getting, I think it was like a 96 in it or something. It was really good and brought up my average heavily. I remember calling Western to communicate what I was doing to bring up my average and that I would be done by the final date. What did I need to do to make sure that they receive that information? Oh, by just this day, you submit this information and we'll be all good to go. Great, we'll do. Had it all figured out. And then I went to Western that fall. And It was one of those instances, a make or break moment for me where I had to decide what I wanted my next year to look like. But what that required was me to say yes to finishing this course and bringing up my average and going to university in the fall and say no to a summer of hanging out with friends and partying and doing things that a lot of the people in my high school were doing in between high school and university. And that was the sacrifice that ended up being very pivotal in my life at the time to be able to, you know, change the trajectory of that next year and years to come. If I hadn't gone that year to school, I would have been graduating in 2021. And I mean, if you know what happened in 2020, that would have changed my last senior year in university unless I decided to graduate early. So if you just think about all these different choices we make, what they can accumulate to, it's really, really crazy. And I know that it doesn't maybe seem like the biggest thing ever when I talk about like high school, but to learn this lesson at a young age was actually really pivotal for me and is something I still think back on because I'm like, wow, that taught me so much about not only choosing to get out of feeling guilt and shame because of course I felt so dumb and stupid for even allowing my average to slip up like that but being able to move forward in it in a way that still got me the result that I desired as well not taking no for an answer and being able to make short-term sacrifices for the long-term gain all of this was really really powerful for me moving forward. And so if you're feeling in a way that you're wanting a different life, you're craving change in your life, but you're not sure how to get there, take these concepts in and figure out, do that audit of where you're saying yes, where you're saying no, and where we need to maybe flip the script to be able to receive different results and being clear on what you're desiring so that you're able to bridge that gap of what that kind of person who has what you're desiring would do in their day-to-day life so that you can start to match those actions. That's all I have for you guys. I hope you found this helpful. I know for me, these are lessons and tips that have completely propelled me into a different reality. So I hope they're as equally as powerful for you. If you enjoyed this episode, if you were willing to share it with a friend, that is how the podcast grows organically. If you want to share it and tag me, my Instagram and TikTok is at the not so average betch. It's going to be linked below. I also have a free guide on my website, four steps to getting unstuck and reclaiming your power. If you're wanting to know a little bit more on my methodology in becoming a more confident, aligned person, and I have a new episode launching every single Wednesday. Wednesday. So please subscribe to the podcast if you're not already so that you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week. Bye guys.